Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 110, Listener Supported. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? Back to back. And Tom. I don't think it's officially a streak until you do three episodes in a row. We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. I mean, two in a row's got to be some kind of record. Like, I mean, it's been 50 or so episodes, right, since that's happened? We'd have to ask our listeners, but I feel like it happens more frequently than you guys give me credit for. I think you were on a six-month hiatus. (laughs) That stuff going on. I was doing stuff. And spending money on Fun Run, apparently. If you guys play Fun Run, search for me. The Lake Show will play. I play a lot of Fun Run. Uh, tonight we're uh, we're gonna answer some listener questions. We we haven't done this in a while. I feel like we we were on like a once a month streak with this, and we just kind of slacked off on on answering questions. So these are some questions that have piled up over the last couple of months that uh, that we're gonna get to and answer to the best of our ability. Before we get into that, let's uh, let's go to the news for this week. So not really a ton of news this week at all. Uh, one piece of news from Magic Kingdom: extra magic hours for March have been moved. From 9 to 11 to 10 to 12, park hours have been extended for March at Magic Kingdom. Pretty much an hour has been added to closing time. So every day that Magic Kingdom has extra magic hours, those extra magic hours have been moved back an hour. Nothing in Epcot, nothing in Animal Kingdom. So we'll uh, go to Hollywood Studios, and that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. So first off, Star Wars A Galaxy Far, Far Away will be ending on February 22nd. The uh, last show will be February 22nd at 5.30. So if you are interested in seeing that, go see it now while you've still got a chance. I think this is kind of Disney's plan to get rid of this, to clear out that area in front of the uh, Chinese theater. So when Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opens, it's, it's not a mad mess out there. Speaking of that, FastPass is now available for Runaway Railway beginning with the March 4th opening. They are releasing new Fast Passes every day, so if you are going in this time frame and don't see anything available, keep checking back. And this will be a Tier 1 ride, along with Slinky Dog Dash and Millennium Falcon's Muggler's Run. The Miss Piggy statue is Fountain is back at the Muppets Courtyard in Grand Avenue. Muppet Vision 3D is also reopened from its refurbishment. They did some light touch-ups. Looks like they cleaned the carpets, replaced some seats, that sort of stuff. Extra magic hours at Hollywood Studios have been shifted to evening from morning through August 2020. And this makes sense as the park continues to open early to move these extra magic hours to the uh, to the evening. Going along with that, the 8 a.m. opening has been extended through March 14th. Again, I think as demand continues, we're going to continue to see this early opening pushed out further and further. And then finally, Space Sporks are going to be available soon for sale at Docking Bay 7. These are the metal sporks that they were using initially at Disneyland. They have made their way to or to Hollywood Studios now. They are going to be $10.99 with a travel bag. That is all the news that we have for this week. Okay, so let's pause for just a second to hear from our sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. 
But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's, let's get in and answer some of these questions. I want to start with the elephant in the room, the, the question that's been on everybody's mind that's, that's going to Disney now or soon or next year. How do I get on Rise of the Resistance? And, and I think we kind of went through this, Tom, in, in the Tom Does Disney episode, but let's, um, let's, let's get a little breakdown of what the experience was, what time we think people should get there, Go through all that. How long does it actually take to ride? And then let's talk about the uh, the boarding pass system that's currently in place. We did have a question. What do you guys think about the boarding pass system? Do you think it could be improved? So for, I guess first off, Tom, you've been on it twice now. What what was your experience like? Good experience, bad experience? You know, go through the boarding pass system and and, and let's talk through that. So I've actually had the opportunity to do Rise of Resistance with two different boarding pass systems. So the first time I did it was right after opening in December. And the way that one was treated, it was really a first-come, first-served basis. The earlier you got there, the better position you'd be in. The second you scanned into the park, even if Disney decided to open the park at 6 a.m. for whatever uh, for whatever reason that day, you would have the ability to get in a boarding group. So that felt really fair to me. While it was outrageous how early people were getting there, I felt like we, we and we being my family had control of getting a boarding pass because we would just say, all right, we're going to wake up early, go take a nap in the middle of the day. So that was the first way we did it. At the time, I think I complained about it saying I thought there was a better way they could do it. Uh, but I, I think Disney's gone the wrong direction with what we would currently see as the boarding group process. So I'll start there since what they used to do is kind of irrelevant to what they do today. As I mentioned, it was more of a first come first serve basis in the initial opening of Rise of Resistance. Now, it's much different. I tried to explain this to Pete as well. If you see things on Twitter or you read articles that they run out of boarding passes in two minutes, that can happen under the system they have today because what they do is they open the park at 630 and they let everyone go in and they hold you um, before you would get to like where Little, Little Mermaid's attraction is uh, or before you would get to Star Tours. I mean, they, they hold you kind of in the middle there um, at Hollywood Studios and because the park does not open officially until seven, and so right at seven, the app should update and allow you to get a boarding group. But what what this has done is there are thousands of people in the park trying to get this at the same time. Whereas in the old system, the second you scanned in, you if you were first in line, you were the first person on the app able to get a boarding pass. So they do run in run out in about two minutes now. I don't think you have to wake up quite as early as you used to because, like I said, they start letting people in at six thirty, and there's nothing you can do until seven. Uh, so I don't like the way they do it now. 
on this most recent trip, we got there at 6.15. I think we were in the park by 6.35 and just waited. And waited for 25 minutes, logged onto the app at 7. And this is how this is how difficult the system is. My wife's standing next to me doing her grandparents' uh, boarding passes, and I'm doing the rest of the families. I got like group 20 or something, and she got group like 76. And we were doing it virtually at the same time. But this works a whole lot better for Disney, right? Because they don't have to have the infrastructure in place. So people are not get because people are not getting to the park at three o'clock or four o'clock or five o'clock or six o'clock, right? There's no incentive for people to get to the park that early because it doesn't matter. Once you get in, you're in. So you could realistically get to the park at six thirty or six forty five. As long as you're scanned in and in the park by seven, it doesn't matter. Nope, correct. And that's that's where I think it's made it unfair because you have families that are waking up early. And then there's a chance you're going to get a backup group. And that's just, that stinks. I mean, you've started your day out way too early with the with the understanding that you're going to get to ride this attraction. Whereas that's why I kind of like the older system better. I don't think the older system was good at all, but it was better than what they're doing now because it's stressful. I mean, it is, especially when you have a group of eight, or can you imagine if you didn't have a smartphone, you'd have to get in line at a guest experience team. You have virtually no shot. Yeah, there's no shot. You have no shot at that point of, of getting a of getting a boarding group. The first person in line will get it, and that's it. So what what time, you know, if, if our listeners are asking, what time should they get there? I mean, I think 6.30 is the earliest you, you need to get there realistically, right? Yeah, I think if you, as long as you're there by 6.30, go to the far right. Uh, when you're facing Hollywood Studios, go to the far right. That entrance, there's some construction going on there, so it actually moves a lot quicker because there's less people that can kind of squeeze through that gap. And and as long, like I said, you just need to be scanned in by 7. So don't risk that. I mean, don't. Don't get there at six fifty, and then there's a long line at security, and you know that's that's not worth it. Then I mean, I I still say get there at six fifteen, six six twenty, get in line. You'll be in before seven, no doubt about it. Uh, another piece of advice is don't get on Disney's Wi-Fi, stay off their Wi-Fi, and um, you know just just be refreshing the app at certain about six fifty eight. They actually make an announcement at six fifty nine. There's a minute to go uh, before you'll be able to do it, and it is. I mean, it's a mad it's a mad dash. Every cell phone in the in Disney World's up. I would designate one person in your party probably to do it. I, I think you could step on your own toes if two different people were searching for the entire group at the same time. Wouldn't you wouldn't you want multiple people doing it though in case But but the first person who actually gets through needs to do it because you don't want to try and have two phones hitting at the same time. That's the why the, we did it the way we did. Um I, I would advise using the newest smartphone you have in your family. I was using my wife's phone, which is a new iPhone, and she was using her grandmother's phone, which is not quite as new. And I think that actually there's a difference there in how fast my my wife's phone went. And so, uh, those are those are just some kind of pieces of advice. But keep in mind, under today's system, that does not guarantee you riding. Ride. I I've been really lucky. I mean, I could go back tomorrow, do the same thing I've always done, and not get to ride it. So, how long how long is the total experience from the time? The time you went and, and stood in line until you, you finished. Yeah, I mean it's uh depending on how long the queue is uh, and how many how many folks are built up there. You know, I've done it's been over an hour before, and then last time last time was a little weird because we waited, we got almost into the attraction, and then it broke down, and then we had a fast pass the next time. Uh, so that one was tough to tough to judge, but I'd say allow forty minutes to an hour, hour and a half, and that's from from your boarding group being called and you getting scanned into the queue to you exiting the attraction. It's a long attraction. And, and once your boarding group is called, again, that you're not going right onto the ride at that point. You're still waiting in, in a queue. And it really depends on how many people go 
when that boarding group is called or what time you elect to go. Because remember, these boarding groups, you do have a two-hour window to return. So not everybody's going at the same time. Right. That's right. You do have a two-hour window. And we haven't really talked about this, but how do you how do you change the system to make it to make it more fair? I mean, you know, my my idea is: Do you give guests that are staying at Disney Resort a a leg up, or do you give them a preference? Do you allow them to get a boarding group thirty minutes earlier? I mean, that seems like the direction that Disney's going with a lot of these things. Is well, we're going to give resort guests the preferential treatment here. I think something that would alleviate some stress. Would be, and I don't know how you do it, whether that's resort guests or Disney Springs area guests getting the benefit, but do it. The, is there, if there's any way to do it a day in advance. Here, here's my problem with doing it a day in advance is that, I mean, we talk about planning for Disney trips a lot, right? And if you're doing a lottery, some kind of lottery the night before, that's throwing all your planning out the window, right? Because if you if you get a rise of resistance and you're not planning on going to Hollywood Studios that day, I mean, you've you've really got to you've got to replan your whole day for we're going to go over and ride Rise of the Resistance. Do it sixty days in advance, then. I, I, I mean, is that is that the better option? Do it just like a fast pass. You know, you sign up for a lottery sixty days in advance or thirty days in advance. You want my true suggestion of what they should do? Treat it like a normal attraction. Treat it like, like a normal let attraction. A stand, let a stand up. Let a standby queue build. It worked. It worked at Smuggler's Run. It did, but Smuggler's Run doesn't break down nearly as much as Rise of the Resistance does. That's why they have to have a boarding groups because it's not ready. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree. It's not ready. I, there, I'll tell you what. One way to not do it is the way they're doing it right now. And, but, and but okay, but but with the under the circumstances they're at, the ride not being ready and breaking down is. I mean, is there another option really? If because if you just open it. You know, you build a three-hour line, and you've got people that have been waiting in line for two hours, and the ride goes down. What do you do at that point? Give them all, you, you give them all. Fast you can't pass give them back. all fast passes. You give them all fast passes. Come back when it when it's when it's ready. Because, but, but then you're at the point where you don't you can't make fast passes available to correct. anybody. Correct. You don't you don't make it a fast pass attraction. You just it's the same way they do it now with boarding groups. Just give them all a fast pass, and then you bypass the queue. So, I, I think it would work fine. So you're so you're saying do it like like they did. Smugglers Run when Galaxy's Edge first opened, just say we're not offering fast pass for this attraction. First come, first served, and and just open it to everybody. Because but then again, that doesn't alleviate the problem of people showing up at three a.m. to be first in line right, to ride the right. attraction. Then you go back to that problem, and Disney doesn't want to staff the people; they don't want to pay the money. So yeah, I mean, it's I don't know how they fix it, but I don't think the current setup works very well. Another question we had is there is there a can't miss breakfast at Walt Disney World? And to me, immediately, if you have small children, I think that um, Chef Mickey's at the Contemporary is a go-to, gotta do it. Because not only is the Contemporary such a cool experience with the monorail system and the way the building looks, but also the fact that all the the, the key Disney characters are there. Like Mickey and the gang are all there. I, look, I, I love Chef Mickey's. My problem with Chef Mickey's is that it's hard to get an early enough breakfast to where you can eat breakfast there and still rope drop a park, right? That That's my major problem with this because it's, you know, if you're talking about a Magic Kingdom opening at 9 a.m. and you're you're in an 8 a.m. Chef Mickey's breakfast, you're not making it over to Magic Kingdom by 9 a.m. To, to hit rope drop. So that to me is why I like, I like restaurants that are in the parks more, I guess. So, you know, I think a Crystal Palace or I think a Garden Grill. Now, you know, we had a bad experience at Garden Grill last time we ate at Epcot, right? Because we we booked this Garden Grill reservation 
to be able to get out a garden grill. I mean, we booked, what time did Epcot open? Nine o'clock or eight o'clock? I think Epcot opened at nine. So we made an 8 a.m. garden grill reservation. Like eight or 8.15, something like that. Yeah, it was 8.15, I think. We ate breakfast. We were done at Garden Grill by 8.30, 8.45. We walked down to Soren, and they still didn't let us on. The, the first time we ate there, we were off Soren by 9 o'clock. This past time, it, they wouldn't let us on until 9 o'clock. So it was like, what's the point of us coming in early? I think there's two ways to approach this uh, fr- from the listener that sent this question in. So you have the Chef Mickey's like, like Matt talks about, and I think you need to understand you may be late to rope drop then. Maybe maybe set your fast passes a little bit later, and this could work in your advantage. You can go to Chef Mickey's and maybe get a seven dwarfs at ten a.m., a, a splash at eleven, and a, and a big thunder at twelve or whatever. And or I think you go the Pete route, where you say, "Hey, I want to maximize my day in the park. What is it?" And then this is where I, my brain goes: What's the cheapest in park breakfast I can get a reservation for? It's Garden Grill. And. And so I think there's two ways to do that. I don't know that I would not classify these any of these as can't miss because to me a can't miss is something that I do every trip, and I don't do any of these every trip. But if I had to rank them, I mean Chef Mickey's is definitely my favorite, but that's because Contemporary is my favorite resort. You know, my wife would probably pick Ohana or Boma because she likes those resorts. So I, I and then Pete might even pick Whispering Canyon as a place to go eat. I, I do like Whispering Canyon. I like their food. If I'm if I'm picking a breakfast and I'm disregarding rope drop, I'm picking 1900 Park Fair because I I think they have the best food, the best breakfast food, and it and you're still getting the character breakfast experience. Plus you're at the Floridian, right? So well, I was thinking I was thinking Whispering Canyon because you, the experience is so unique. It, now I will say that the experience at Whispering Canyon for breakfast because I ate there for breakfast very early, like ten minutes after they opened one morning. And it was not the same Whispering Canyon. It was very chill. It was very relaxed. There were only like three tables in the in the restaurant. So it wasn't the typical noisy, loud. I asked the guy for ketchup and he didn't – he brought me a bottle of ketchup. You know, He didn't, that, he didn't it, do the, the, whole, it, the whole deal yeah, with it. Because there weren't enough people in the restaurant to do that. So the experience was not the same at Whispering Canyon for breakfast. The food was – the food was on point. The food was very good. But, but if – you know, for me – if I'm picking a can't miss breakfast, it's it's 1900 Park Fair. You have to really think about this from the aspect of do I want to be a rope drop or do I want to just have a really good breakfast? And for me, like I was thinking about Chef Mickey's and saying, you know, I enjoy that that experience and that experience is worth, you know, maybe missing a fast pass or maybe not getting, you know, there in the parks the entire day. So I think you have to ask yourself that question and then just, you know, what, what Exactly what we all talked about. Like there are so many good breakfast spots to go hit up and just, you know, plan your day accordingly. Just not at Magic Kingdom unless you're going to Crystal Palace because that's all the breakfast options you have. A time ago, and I don't know this because I haven't haven't done this recently, but you used to be able to go into parks early if you had a reservation at one of these restaurants. Is that still a thing that you can do if you have a Crystal Palace and it's 7 a.m.? You can go in there at 7 a.m. and then you're in the park? Well, yes, but... You know, like I just talked about with Garden Grill, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to do anything until the park opens. Yeah, but you're so, in the park, so that you was, avoid rope drop. Well, yeah, you you avoid rope drop, but you, you're not you don't necessarily have an advantage over anybody that that is not. Yeah, uh, other you than do. being there, other yeah, I think you there. do. I mean, yeah, you, you can stand in front already. of Splash Mountain if you're a Magic but, Kingdom. But Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace, remember, you're not really you're not getting anywhere 
Yeah, you're not gonna because you're gonna be stuck in the hub. You're not gonna gain a, you're not gonna gain an advantage at Crystal Palace, but you do at Garden Grill because you you can walk downstairs and and they can't they're gonna they'll stop you at Soren. So yeah, I think, Tom, I what's 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 your uh, what's your can't miss breakfast like? If I was picking one, Chef Mickey's. Chef Mickey's, okay, okay. So uh, two Chef Mickey's and a and a nineteen hundred Park Fair, I think is is where we're at on that. So our next question was. Uh, someone asked us, can we rank the parks from our most to least favorite? And I, I don't think we can do this as a group. So I think we need to do this individually because it, it might be different. I don't know. I, I we'll, we'll see. I so guess. just so for clarification, we're going to start with our favorite and then end with yep, our least your favorite. favorite into your least favorite. Yep. All right. Matt, you, you want to lead us off? Whew. Um, you know, right now, after not going to Hollywood studios recently, um, Hollywood studios was my number one. And I think it still will be my number one with everything they've added here in the past couple of years. Um, so I'm going to go Hollywood Studios, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom. Tom? So this has gotten much more difficult. It's a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. Because there's aspects of e- – th- this is why I enjoy having a park hopper. Because now I just kind of bounce around. I mean, that's – you know, Pete, we probably need to revisit the do you buy a hop- park hopper or not because now Pete buys it every time he goes. You got to have park every hopper. Every time I go. Got to have it. So, so – uh, like tried and true, it, you, it as a kid it was Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, probably Animal Kingdom, Epcot as a kid. That's changed obviously. So today I'd probably say Magic Kingdom because I I just will never pick another park. Epcot because Epcot could be number one, and then Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. And the problem with that is there's not one park that I'm like oh I really don't want to go to that. As a kid I didn't really want to go to Epcot, and there were times as a young adult I didn't I didn't really want to go to Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios at some points. Yeah. But now, it's like okay, there's Galaxy's Edge, that's a totally new dynamic. A lot of cool things there. There's Pandora. Then you look to Animal Kingdom, you have Pandora. But you also there's just as an adult, you 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 learn more great things about Animal Kingdom that you don't realize as a kid. So I think officially Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom. But it, there's no way to say Animal Kingdom was actually fourth. I'd like to say they're all one A, one B, one one C, and then one D. So so mine I think is going to be a little surprising. So I've got. Number one, Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's changed a lot. It's I wish lot. you guys could see our faces right now because I was not expect. I was expecting Epcot. That's what I was expecting. No, no. So, and and here's the reason. You know, if you think of parks that are because I'm a, I'm a huge theming guy, right? Love. I love the theming. I love the I, I love the parks that tell a story. And to me, Ep- or Animal Kingdom does the best job of that. Every every land there is 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 themed, right? Is and is themed to I guess, you know, it's not just we're calling this fantasy land. It's no, we're in Africa. We're in Asia. We're in Pandora, right? So Animal Kingdom is number one for me. Number two, Hollywood Studios. Again, because of the theming, uh, I think Star Wars Star Wars Land has has done a lot for this. Now, if Great Movie Ride were still here, this would be my number one favorite park, but it's gone. So so Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and and then this is tough for me because I don't want to put Magic Kingdom last, but Mag- so Magic Kingdom's got to be third and Epcot's got to be fourth now. I'll be honest, I don't believe him. He can say that, but I don't believe him. I think he had the benefit of going last and he was just trying to create a little bit let of me ask, a- Let me ask you a question, Pete. Yep. Which parks have you suggested to me that we spend a half day in, in May? Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios, but so if you loved them that much, when you want to no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's not true, that's not true. Hollywood Studios and Epcot are the two that I suggested spending a half day in. All right, so guys, 
And I think I know what Tom's answer is going to be. Actually, I'm pretty sure I know. You have one day at Walt Disney World. Where are you going? Are you really going to Animal Kingdom, Pete? Are you really going to Animal Kingdom? I'm going to Hollywood Studios at this point. Because just just because I have not ridden Rise of the Resistance. I know if, Tom's. I know Tom's going to Magic Kingdom. But okay, if you had ridden Rise of the Resistance, are you still going to Hollywood Studios? So that's your no, number I'm probably one. Going to Animal, your, I'm probably oh. going to Animal Kingdom. Wow. Honestly, I'm probably going to Animal Kingdom. You know what? I, asking myself that question, I think it changes. If I have one day in Walt Disney World, I'm going to the Magic Kingdom. And, and here's here's my reason why. Because so Epcot, you get a lot of the other stuff, but you don't get a lot of rides, right? Yeah. Animal Kingdom, I feel like I feel like has the perfect mix of rides, both thrilling rides and and you know not thrilling rides. But then it also has the other stuff too, right? It has the shows, it has the sights, it has the drinks. I I don't know. All right, let, let, this where isn't I'm a at. listener question. I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here. Outside of Magic Kingdom right now, so Magic Kingdom's off, off the table. You can't pick it. What park feels most Disney World to you? Like Disney. I, it's, it's tough because they've all changed so much. Yeah. I think I would, I don't know. Like Hollywood Studios probably. Yeah, probably, but that's where I'm going with like, I mean, if you're a Disney fanatic, what do you, what do you say? Tom? No, it's Epcot. 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 I mean, are you talking about are you talking about characters? Like I, I, I'm just characters? throwing it out there. I don't know what I'm. I don't know. I'm no, just saying. No, Disney. I think he's just saying which one reminds you of Disney outside of Ma- like where do you feel like you're at Disney? To me, it's Epcot for a few reasons. One, you do have the character element. Two, the World Showcase was a core belief of what Walt wanted to do. You have Spaceship Earth. You have a lot of attractions that have been there a long time. You have Future World, and then the iconic Epcot music that you each know, and you probably are hearing in your head now. So to me, it's Epcot. Yeah. I, no, I can see that. That's that's fun, though. That's a, that's a lot of fun. So next question we have, and I've, I've added to this. So the question was, loved the drinks episode. If you had to pick one drink you could not go without, which would it be? So again, they asked us to break this down each person. I think we could break – I think we should break it down a little bit further. Because I've preached that there's times where you can do a day outside of the Disney parks and have a really good time. So let's pick one in-park drink that you can't go without. And then one, I don't know if you want to say Disney Springs drink or resort drink. Something you don't have to pay admission to get into. So you you get what I'm saying. That takes jelly rolls off the table because ultimately, I mean, you still would pay a cover charge there. So. So one in-park drink and one resort drink or Disney Springs drink, if you have one. And so I'm, I'm asking, are we going? Are we going alcoholic here? Doesn't have to be, because my wife would say bubble tea at Epcot. That's what she'd pick. That's okay. that's so weird. She loves yeah. it. Yeah, she absolutely loves it. So um, I, I can lead it off for us. It's really, really difficult. Now I know what you're going to say in park. I mean, it, it, it's the tipsy ducks in love. I mean, it has but it to al- be. But it, but it, it almost isn't. I mean, it, there, there's, there's three in my head. Uh, is are are they at Ogas? One's at Ogas. One's in Galaxy's Edge. One's in Epcot. It's, are is Blue Milk on there? Yes, it is. Really, really. So, so if I had to pick, if I had to pick, I would pick the Tipsy Ducks. But but right there with it, it's Jet Juice or it's Blue Milk. Okay, and and interestingly enough, for me in park, it is Blue Milk or the Fuzzy Tauntaun. I mean, those are really the two that that come to mind that. I can't go without. So, but if I had to pick between those, probably the fuzzy tauntaun. Now, Matt, do you have any in park ones that that just stick out for you? You know, honestly, I can do resort first, and this is gonna be a little bit different than you guys. But at the end of a long day at Walt Disney World, like I always get the fountain mug, so I can go get any kind of drink I want. 
but I love a, a Coca-Cola at the end of the night when I'm like extremely tired, extremely thirsty. And it just, it really hits the spot for me because it's, I know it's not the best thing I should drink, but I'm so tired. Like that gives me the the energy and the, the willpower to get to my actual room. Um, inside the parks, you know, honestly, it's really hard for me to kind of whittle this down. A lot has changed too since you've been there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I think I'd have to go back out there. I mean, I love the Tipsy Ducks in Love. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I like sake. So, like, I actually do enjoy sake in Epcot. Um, I like to find the things that I, I don't get every day. So, those are the kind of things I go for when I'm in Walt Disney World. Like, not things that I have around the house. Things that it definitely be something in Epcot, though. So, resort drink for you, Pete. You go first. Since I already, I already went first on, on in park. I mean, is this even a question? I think what? I know your answer is Aoa, right? It's it's got to be the Aoa. A hundred percent has to be the Aoa, even though it's like a forty dollar drink. It's 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 worth it's worth every penny in my opinion because nothing nothing to me says you're at Disney like sitting in Trader Sam's drinking an Aoa on fire. And actually, had a listener make a comment: Do you really want them to light the Aoa on fire? Because all they're doing then is burning good uh, good Bacardi one fifty one. You want to stir that in there and really uh I think really beef I, I up think that I drink. know I think I know which <laughs> listener said this. Probably the same the same listener that we've gone to Disney with. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Who who's had who's had way too much time and he's listening, I'm sure, to think about <laughs> things like that at Trader Sam's. Oh man. So What do you have? Obviously the uh oh is really good. I'm not gonna pick that because you just picked it. And this is the interesting thing about me. Most of the drinks at, at Trader Sam's aren't things I would normally reach for. Like, they're just not my style of drink. So, um, man, I'm, I'm struggling to think of one. I'm struggling. If I had to pick one, I, I have to do it. I'm probably the Aoa. I mean, I, I know Hippopotamai Tai is another good one, but probably the Lapu Lapu is, is a good drink as well. But, but you know what? Go, um, go you, with what you like and don't worry. Okay. You, you know what? Too. If you wanted to be honest here, the, the old fashioned at Animal Kingdom Lodge is fantastic. So that's probably the direction I'd go. All right. So next question, how do I choose my role for Smuggler's Run? So Pete, I know you've ridden this attraction two ways ago. I think Pete, break down the single rider and then and then let's go into the wait and, wait and standby. Yeah. So if it really for this, it depends on if you have a group or if you have, if you're by yourself. Single rider line, you're not going to get much choice in, in what role you get. You're pretty much going to be an engineer 100% of the time. Although, Tom, I think, you weren't an engineer when you wrote it, and I, I actually ended up being a pilot when I wrote it single rider. I ended up being the right pilot that, that pulled the uh, hyperspace lever, which is, to me, that's the quintessential Star Wars experience, so, yeah. right? So the way single rider works, you are you have no control. I mean, you're going to be whatever the group- Whatever's left is, over. Whatever's left over. And if the other group, you know, there could be a group of five people, and maybe in Pete's case, they all had been engineers and- or they all had been pilots and they wanted to do engineers. So Pete got really lucky and got to do pilot. For the most part, though, people want to be the pilots and the gunners. So you're going to be an engineer. My wife, I believe, got to be a pilot when she went single rider one time. She, she got with a group of, of folks who was actually ahead of me in line. I was really jealous. But it was her first time riding. So I was like, oh, you got a great. It could have been you. No, well, I had ridden before. So I was like, you got a great experience. So in single rider... 95% of the time you're going to be engineer. Now, if you were to wait in the standby line, you for one, you can just ask. You know, Yeah, if, you if can absolutely just ask the cast member. You know, if there are if there are two groups of 3, for example, say Pete, Matt, and myself were waiting and there's a group of 3 behind us 
and it just, you know, we were the ones that got to be pilot because we're in line, you know, the way it shakes out, you could say, Hey, we'll wait to be pilots. So you can ask, or you can, or you can trade because, because the way this works is when you get in there, they give you a card with your role on it and, and you can trade with other people in your group or other people in other groups. In in fact, to get the role that you want to, you want to, uh, you want to use. So the best way to have a selection of what role you want to choose is to have a big group, right? We went with a group of six people and I mean, everybody was able to pretty much get the role they wanted. All right. So I have a question for you as a guy that hasn't ridden this attraction. Is there a role you just don't want? Like one you should just be like, eh, I'll trade with you. You know, you know, there's really, I wouldn't say there's a bad role in here. Engineer, you don't get to see a whole lot because you're focusing on your screen more than anything else. Gunner's pretty boring because you're just push, pushing a button the whole time. I mean, I, I would say that pilot is, is the most interactive and the most fun role because you're actually controlling the ride, uh, particularly if you're the, the right-hand pilot and you get to send the Falcon into hyperspace. That's, again, that's, that's kind of the... Uh, so one more question here. If you go back to mission space, how does this differ from the rules in mission space for someone who's never done it? So, so mission space, whether or not somebody performs the role correctly does not impact the ride at all. It goes into auto, Whereas, auto control, yeah. Correct. Whereas in Smuggler's Run, it, it does. It impacts the ride. It impacts your final score. It impacts the things that you see and the things that you say. I mean, the pilots are actually flying the Millennium Falcon, right? The gunners are, are actually shooting. The engineers are actually repairing the ship. So if these things don't get done... I mean, the ride doesn't end certainly, but it it, it changes the uh, it changes the ride experience. Yeah, I, I I think Pete summed it up really well. If Matt, to answer your question, engineered probably be the one I wouldn't want to do. Uh, and next time I do ride it, I actually have never been the gunner. I just it, the way it shakes out, I'm either pilot or engineer. And I'm always pretty. My wife and I were talking about this. We're very unselfish on our Disney trips because we have an annual pass and and we feel like we we should be. But we're like, hey. As this thing starts to wind down, we need to do things we want to do. And so I want to be a gunner because I, I, I was talking to a cast member and, and actually a, a good friend who's a listener on this podcast. She, she was one that actually first told me, you can change the gunner to a manual control. And so I'd like to do that uh, because the gunner on automatic, you just hit the, you just, you just kind of hit the button and it shoots and aims, but I'd like to manually aim. So hopefully we gave you a lot of, a lot of info there for how do you choose your role on Smuggler's Run. Uh, the next question we have, what rides have single rider lines? Uh, this person is trying to do as much as possible since we aren't staying on property and could not get the fast passes we wanted. So f- first and foremost, I tell you to keep keep trying the, to uh, to do the do the fast passes. Keep keep digging in there and refreshing uh, refreshing the screen. Yeah, absolutely. There are four attractions at Disney World that have single rider lines. You've got Test Track, Rock and Roll Coaster. Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, and Expedition Everest. I think those are the only four, right? Yeah, and let me let me talk to the pros and cons of each of those attractions real quick. So from an experience standpoint, zero difference from wait and standby or going single rider for rock and roller coaster and expedition everest. Other than for, other than the other than the wait time, right? Because than, the wait right. the wait is much shorter going to single rider. that's what I'm saying. There's an advantage to go single rider there. Don't wait standby. Now for Smuggler's Run, as we've just walked through, uh if you if you don't go single rider, if you don't go single rider there, you'll have the opportunity to pick what you want to be in the Millennium Falcon. If you go single rider, you will not have a choice. And then test track, the negative there of going single rider is you don't get to design your own car. So if that's not important to you, 
no issue. It's still the same ride experience. You just don't get to design your own car. And so as long as if you've been to Disney a couple of times, which I kind of feel like you have just based off your question, I would, I would suggest go single rider on all of them. If you really like Millennium Falcon or Smuggler's Run and, and you want to do a different role, go single rider first, see if you think it's worth it, then go wait in the standby queue. Or, or keep trying to get a fast pass for it. I mean, um, so guys, where is the best restaurant to watch the fireworks at Epcot? I, so you want, so I'm guessing they want to be in a restaurant. I'm guessing they want to be like at a, at a table, enjoying their meal and seeing the fireworks at the same time. So, so first off, if, if you do not have a reservation for firework time, well, let me take a step back. It, it is very difficult to get a reservation for a restaurant at fireworks time that, that has fireworks view. Second, if you do have a reservation for fireworks time at a restaurant that has fireworks being available, there's no guarantee that you're going to get seated at a table that you have fireworks viewing, right? It, it's just kind of luck of the draw. You can certainly ask, but know that a lot of people that are making reservations at fireworks time are, are thinking the same exact thing that you are, right? They want the, that fireworks view. And, and so they're going to be sitting at these tables during the fireworks. My, my piece of advice on that is... Go to the restaurant well before your reservation. Uh, it's it's very similar to going to like a coral reef and saying you want a tank table, or going to a to a be our guest and saying you want to be in the west wing, whatever room you want to be in. Go there early because what Pete was kind of alluding to there is people will people will have a let's say fireworks are at nine p.m. People will have a seven thirty reservation and sit through fireworks. They won't get up. I think the bigger question you have to ask yourself here, and you know, we've all done this. I want to get you guys' opinions on it. What what is the actual value of being at a table during the fireworks? Like, are you do you enjoy it differently if you're at a table as aside from watching the fireworks in the park? You know, what personally, what do y'all think? Yeah, no, I think a hundred percent you do. I mean, I, I my wife and I watched, as I've said many times, watch the Main Street Electric Parade from a table at Tony's Town Square. And it, it was a great experience. You're not crowded. You know, you're not craning to see things. You're, you're sitting and you're enjoying dinner. Um, so yeah, I think it is a, I think it is a good experience and it's worth doing, you know, especially if you can time it to where you're having drinks or dessert and watching the fireworks. Now you do have the option of booking a dessert party for this. So, so that is another option. Uh, you know, as far as restaurants that you can watch the fireworks from, Rose and Crown. Is, is one, if you can get a porch seat at Rosen Crown, or I think there's some window seats that you can see the fireworks from at Rosen Crown. Uh, Tokyo Dining, Hacienda de San Angel at the Mexico Pavilion. Chef de France has window, and uh, Monsieur Paul has, has window viewing also. I think that's pretty much it because, well, the Morocco, I guess the Morocco restaurants maybe? Well, I think if you're asking for the best restaurant, it's going to be Rosen Crown for a lot of reasons. Outside of your viewing, one, you're going to have one of the better views at Epcot. But two, I mean, can you pick a better place to be at Rosen Crown than late night? I, I mean, I don't know. Monsieur Monsieur Paul is a good restaurant. It depends right? on I mean, if you want. For. Yeah, if you want good food, if you want a good time, yeah, I think Rosen Crown. If you want good food, I, I think Monsieur Paul is a, uh, is, is a good choice. Are there any parks at Walt Disney World that when you make a, a week long trip, you're trying to guarantee yourself this opportunity to watch the fireworks from a restaurant, not just Epcot, all the way around. Well, I mean, I, really, Epcot's the only one you can do it at anymore, right? Because there's there's no there's no restaurants at Magic Kingdom that you're going to be able to see the fireworks show from. Animal Kingdom, there's no fireworks show, and and then there's really nothing there's nothing at Hollywood Studios where you're going to be able to see the fireworks from either. So, 
Epcot's really the only the only choice here, right? And and really, you're limited to the a couple of countries in the World Showcase that have restaurants with outdoor seating or restaurants with with big windows that you can see out of. So is this a must do? Do you think it's a must do for a guy or a girl or a family going to Disney World? You know, it it depends. Uh, it depends on what kind of trip you want. Look, it it was a the the parade was a was a very magical evening for my wife and I. Is it a must do? No, I don't I don't think so. Uh, you know, you can get the same experience going to a dessert party. Now you're going to pay a lot more for a dessert party than you would for for just a dinner, I think. Yeah, one thing we've realized through doing this podcast is <clears throat> everyone has different preferences for how they're going to do Disney. And we used to be very out on dessert parties, but we had a listener, you know, share an experience with us where we backed off our opinion and said, "Hey, you know what? We were wrong. Don't let us be the the judge of yay do a dessert party or don't do one." I think Pete's nailed it on. It depends what kind of experience you want. For me personally, I'm fine just kind of finding a spot, but I know Disney really well, so I kind of know where to stand. Or even places where you can sit, you know, outside, you know, over by Norway, for example, there are some rocks you can sit on and watch and watch fireworks. So I think it just depends. It just depends what you want, what you're looking for. The next question we have, which I think is probably dated, Pete, and I know we've been trying to accumulate. We, we've been tr- we, we needed to do this episode, right? So the question is, we got a slinky, uh, slinky dog dash fast pass. Uh, but the kids are complaining that they think Slinky Dog is for little kids, and they prefer a rock and roller coaster instead. Are they right? So, to start, I, I don't think they're right because I think rock and roller coaster is an easier fast pass to get. So I think as a parent, just tell them we're going to be able to do both. But now, under the current you can get layout, both. yeah, get you both. can get both. You know, rock and roller coaster has moved to a tier two fast pass. The tier ones in Hollywood Studios now are Slinky Dog, Dash, and. Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run. And Millennium Falcon Smugglers and Run. And I think uh, That's Toy it. Story Mania, right? Nope. Toy Story Mania is a Tier 2 as well. It is so, a Tier 2. Okay. Yeah. They've, they've really bulked up the Tier 2 system. It's like they listen to the podcast because Pete and Matt and I have said this for a while. This is how they needed to lay it out. So, no, I would say maybe at the time you ask this, depending on how old your kids are, to me, Rock and Roller Coaster has a single rider option for one, but it also, it also is an easier fast pass to get. I joked with Pete. I was getting rock and roller coasters for eight people on race weekend, you know, in January. But what I will say about this is no, they're not right. Slinky dog is not, I mean, slinky dog is not the same type of roller coaster as, as rock and roller coaster, but it's a roller coaster that I still enjoy. Tom, I think it's a roller coaster that you still enjoy. It, it is an enjoy. It, it is not a little kid's coaster. It is not a barnstormer. Uh, we waited, you know, my and, and when I say I was getting fast pass, my wife did a, a rock solid job on fast passes last trip in January, but we waited standby for Slinky Dog and and did that because it's worth it. It's not a little kid roller coaster. I think it all comes down to what's the the longest wait time if you had to wait in standby. I mean, Pete, do you have any idea what the longest wait time would be if you had to wait in standby? Is it a rock and roller coaster or Slinky Dog? Oh, Slinky Dog by by far. Yeah, is so it's be a much more valuable time. fast but- pass, right? Slinky Dog is the harder fast pass to get, and, and Slinky Dog has a longer wait time. Slinky Dog does not have a single rider line, and, and Slinky Dog's the newer ride, so people are people are going to Slinky Dog, right? Rock and Roller Coaster has a single rider line. It's it's a lot easier to get a, a Rock and Roller Coaster fast pass, and it's been around for a lot longer. Plus, Rock and Roller Coaster doesn't appeal to everybody. Rock and Roller Coaster is a more thrilling ride than. Slinky Dog Dash, so it's it's limited 
compared to Slinky Dog and its audience too. So yeah, I think I think you go with the Slinky Dog Fast Pass, you stick with that, but you also get the Rock and Roller Coaster Fast Pass if if they're interested in it because it, it is an easy Fast Pass to get get right now. So the next question we have here is just checking in advance because I know that this will happen. What happens if someone forgets their magic band in the room or at home? How do we get in the park? And this is one that I know that you probably just go to guest relations or go talk to a cast member and they help you out. Like, but what do you, have you guys had experience with this? I've never experienced this. No, I've never, I've never, I've never lost my magic band before, but, but yeah, I mean, guest, guest relations is, is what you do here. I would certainly, if you're trying to rope drop an attraction, I would get here very early, but, um, but yeah, guest relations is where you're going to go. I, I'm pretty sure that you can show them an ID and they'll issue you just a card or you can buy just a basic magic band from them and they'll, they'll link everything up for you and, and get your, uh, get your ticket linked to your magic band. Now, if you've got an annual pass, it's even easier because I think you can just show them your annual pass card and your ID and they'll, and they'll, they'll get you set up. So next question we have, when is the slow season at Disney World? Yeah, we we uh, you know, we got this question and we wanted to make sure we answered it because there really isn't a slow season anymore. I mean, Tom, you guys you guys went in December, it was busy. January's busy now, November's busy now. I mean, all the typical times that we would have said go to Disney during this time period, they're they're gone. They're not slow anymore. I think that if you read Burn Bomb in 2001, it'd be everything Pete just said. Those particular time slots, those particular times of the year, you know, you go at that time but Disney just does so many things now. Like there are so many celebrations and festivals. And every year we joke about, you know, Mickey's not so scary starting earlier, food and wine being the entire year at Epcot, that there's always something to do at Walt Disney World. And, you know, they're smart for that. They're bringing people in throughout the year. But it's not just that. It's it's this dynamic pricing model that Disney has in effect that – you know, makes it more expensive during the during the typical busier times and makes it cheaper in the slow times. And that's really done a good job of evening out the traffic in the parks because more people are inclined to go during what would have been the slow seasons. And another point to add here, Disney's beginning to accumulate a new fan base. I mean, Star Wars is not a small fan base. And while, yes, Galaxy's Edge dominates quite a bit of the attention, of course, people aren't just going to go and, you know, some people may just go to Galaxy's Edge, but they're going to say, okay, we, we really want to see Galaxy's Edge. We really want to, it's been a lifetime dream to fly Millennium Falcon or, or see Rise of Resistance, build a lightsaber, but we're, let's, do a, let's do a family vacation at Disney World. And so I think that Disney's accumulated more fans. I mean, when you have attractions like Rise of Resistance and Flight of Passage, for example, those are really, really unique. You're not going to find those everywhere. And the dynamic pricing is, is a really good example of what Disney's done to address the, the quote-unquote slow season. Keep in, keep in mind, Disney's goal is probably to be consistent across every month. I mean, they want July to be just as busy as December. So they had to figure out how to do that. And they did that by a dynamic pricing model. And Pete mentioned my trip in December and my trip in January. As I told him, I thought they were busy. One of them was on race weekend, so I expected it. The other one was what I would claim is the slowest time in Disney to go, the first two weeks of December. And the Magic Kingdom Day was unbearable. Uh, no, I don't want to say unbearable, uh, because I was getting fast passes for what everything, what everything we wanted, but it was challenging. And you had wait, you know, had standby lines of 60 minutes at Small World. And, and, I mean, I'm sorry. Everyone loves Small World, but it's not worth 60 minutes. So 
I don't know that there's a slow season. I still would stand by what Pete has always suggested, but you have to be really cognizant of races now. Race weekends are in the slower season. Just general events. Or you have to be more cognizant of general events, right? That you know, it could be a race, it could be a cheer competition, it could be, you know, the the week where the South American kids come in. I mean, there's there's a lot of that that goes on now at, at Disney World that you really have to know when that happens. We actually had a question from a longtime listener recently talking about Hey, I'm thinking about going to Walt Disney World at this particular time, but I realize that's when the Pop Warner Football Championship is. How should I plan around that? And it's a, it's just an example of all the many things that are happening in Walt Disney World now that you know maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago, fifteen years ago maybe didn't happen. Just a lot more to think about. And the one thing I would recommend to anybody right now, like, don't expect a slow season. Get your fast passes. You know. Do everything we talk about doing in the planning episodes that we have that you can go back and listen to and just plan your trip, you know, to everything you want it to be and do your best to get the rides and the fast passes and the reservations for dinner that you want. I'm excited for this next question we have. What's your favorite thing to do outside of the park? So still on Disney property, but just outside of the park. Is that's the way I'm interpreting this? Yeah. Yep. Yep. uh, Yep. I've got two answers for this. One, one is at Disney Springs and one is at the resorts. Okay. Okay. So if you're if you're gonna pick if you're gonna pick Disney Springs, you need to pick something at. You can't just say all of Disney Springs. No, no, no. I've I've specifically something at Disney Springs. Okay. So the res, the fair. resort is is to go to Trader Sam's. Okay, hands down. Disney Springs is the void. I think they're either either one of the the Wreck It Ralph or the uh, Star Wars. Both of those are well worth doing. So I'm gonna pick. I, I agree with Pete, but I want to give you something different. So if if we're gonna do. If I'm going to pick something at Disney Springs, which I would, I I go to it's a can't miss for me. I go to World of Disney every single time I go to Disney Springs, and I don't always buy any. I, most of the time I don't buy something, but I spend time in the store. My wife and I really enjoy just kind of walking around. It's very it just you feel Disney, and so and I often will wander right outside of World of Disney. There's an outdoor margarita uh, margarita bar that has live music, so that's kind of my Disney Springs selection. If I were picking a resort. And I wasn't going to pick Trader Sam's. I would say go spend some time at the boardwalk. You can uh, access the boardwalk right outside of Epcot. You can walk there through the International Gateway, or you could take an Uber there. You could you could uh, you cannot drive there, so don't don't drive and expect to be able to park there. But those would be the two things outside of the park, and, and in addition to the Void and Trader Sam's. So where I'm going to go here is a little bit different than you two. Technically, this is outside of the park. I'm going to say the monorail. The monorail is a lot of fun. It's some. It's a way that you can get around to different resorts. You can see things and you can see Disney property. And then my second favorite thing, and this is like going to be so corny, you guys are going to roll your eyes, but just like driving underneath the Disney archway when you know you get into Disney World. That for me, like I, it's always magical. So the monorail and the All, Disney arch. Always butterflies. Yes. Yep. So another question uh, family asked us, should we go now to Disney World? So I'm, I'm assuming now is in fairly the immediate future. Or should we wait until the 50th anniversary when everything's open? I can, I'm going to give my answer real quick. I think you, I think you wait. Ah, but if you're worried about, if you're worried about like crowds, like it's going to be very packed the entire year. Let me explain it. I, I think if you've been to Disney before, right now, Epcot specifically is a shell of itself. It's a mess. It's what Hollywood Studios was two years ago. <laughs> You go to Epcot and you walk in and not recognize it because of how much construction's there. If you've never been to Disney, I don't want that to be your first impression of Disney either. So I think you wait until the 50th. 
when a lot of the construction clears at Magic Kingdom and Epcot, you know, Animal Kingdom's in good shape now. It probably will be will be very similarly in good shape in, at the 50th. Hollywood Studios has some new things coming. Well, I guess the new things have come, right? You know, you, you have Galaxy's Edge. That is, that's still going to be there. That's still going to be really, really busy. Maybe not quite as busy as, as it is today. So I think you wait if it's just going to be a one-trip thing. I also think that if you're going to go to Walt Disney World during the 50th anniversary, wait until the third quarter of the year, the fourth quarter of the year. So they have all the... All the technicalities, all the things that kind of like mess up, because there's going to be mess ups early. Like they're just not going to be ready for it. So I would say, you know, go kind of later in the year. So you make sure that everything is working properly and doing everything you want to do. What do you think about that, Pete? You agree? This is tough for me because I think it's going to be worse. It really depends. So I think it's going to be worse during the 50th anniversary than it is now crowd wise. But, but that, but that really depends too on if we have a recession or not right because if 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 the economy slows down people have less spending money next year there's not it's not going to be as crowded we're going to see the same thing you know disney during the early 2000s and even the early 2010s it wasn't crowded ever it was it, you know you still had slow seasons so it really depends on what the future's going to hold but I, but i agree with tom I, I will say that if you've if you've never been to disney before you really don't want especially Epcot now to be your first impression of it. Magic Kingdom, there's a little construction going on. Hollywood Studios is pretty much done with the exception of uh, of Mickey's Runaway Railway. Animal Kingdom is in good shape. But but yeah, Epcot is a mess right now. So, uh, you know, if you've never been, I say wait. If you, if you have been before and if you're going to have the opportunity to go again soon, I'd say go now. I mean, there's there, there's no time like the present, right? Any time to go to Disney is a good time to go to Disney. Or you know, honestly, if you if you think that you're going to be one of the the folks that wants to go to Disney World, you know, more than once or twice a year, why not wait until the 50th anniversary, Pete, and go ahead and get an annual pass so you can go whenever. Like if you're if you're close enough that you can hop on a flight or hop on a bus or you know, even just drive yourself or you know if you're in Orlando, like I'd recommend buying an annual pass. Go enjoy all of that year because it's going to be a very special year with a lot of events. Yeah, there there will be a lot, and there'll be a lot open, and all this construction is supposed to be done, you know, in time for the fiftieth event. So, or fiftieth event, fiftieth anniversary. So, yeah, I mean, th- no question, going during the fiftieth anniversary is going to be going to be a, a great thing. But if it's but if it's me, I am I'm going now and during the fiftieth. If if it's something that you know you're you're only going to be able to go on one trip, or you can only afford one trip. Yeah, I'm probably waiting until the 50th to go. And I agree with that. I think that the 50th is going to be special. I was there for the 25th, and it was a lot of fun. I just pray to whatever God you pray to that they don't decorate the castle like they did for the 25th anniversary. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we'll have a great time, and I think that you know every every member of our podcast will be there for the 50th. And you know, obviously, Tom goes once a month now. So, All right, so our, our last question... And I like this question. We haven't talked about this a whole lot. What is the best bathroom in the parks? And and a year ago, I would have told you that it was the China Come on, bathrooms. is it in the parks or is it on property? Well, in in the parks, because okay. I, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of bathrooms that you know I don't I don't feel comfortable addressing every bathroom on property. But what's the best best bathroom in the parks? A year ago, I would have told you it's the China bathrooms. I, I think, Tom, you talked about it a couple weeks ago. Our, our secret's out. The China bathrooms are no longer the peaceful, relaxing place that they've been. So what are the best, what are the best bathrooms in the parks? There's one answer now. 
This is I haven't I haven't shared this yet. All right. The worst attraction at Disney World is Lightning McQueen's not Lightning McQueen. What's the what's the cars yeah. attraction? Yeah. Yeah, Lightning McQueen's Academy Racing Academy. Hey, tell, tell me, before like you finish, Tom, I heard a, a joke the other day. Does Lightning McQueen buy auto insurance or life insurance? I don't know. I didn't laugh though. I I don't know. So Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy, the worst attraction at Disney World is by in my standard, has the best bathrooms in Disney World because no one goes back there. If if you want to know where it's located, you have to walk past Rock and Roller Coaster and they are literally begging people to come watch this show. I watched it last time at Disney World. I think I was one of including our family, Six people. maybe maybe 17 people total in there. Our family was actually laying down on the benches uh, because it's air conditioned and dark, but the bathrooms there are the best bathrooms at Walt Disney World in the parks. I, I, I'm still partial to the Rapunzel bathrooms. I do They're think busy. the key is to find like a, a, a very bad attraction that nobody wants to spend time at uh, and just go to the bathroom that, there. Speaking of that, the bathrooms at the Imagination Pavilion are never crowded and they're very nice too. Any res- any response, Tom? I, I also agree. Also agree. Good bathrooms. So we got any other questions? That was a lot. Like we got to do a better job on listener supported because that was a lot of questions and we still left a couple off. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it too. Um, again, love doing these episodes. If you guys have questions, please send them in. We'll uh, we'll try to be a little bit better about uh, about answering on these episodes. Uh, trivia and secret. What do we got, Tom? Yeah. So the secret is is more. It was one of these. It probably should have been a trivia question, but I, I don't know how. If you had to guess. Guys, how long is Space Mountain? How long does that last? A minute and 40 seconds. A minute and 21 seconds. Yeah, so I kind of feel the same way. Like every time I've ridden it, I'm like, oh man, it's really quick ride. Two minutes and 38 seconds is Space Mountain. Wow. That's the secret there. Uh, Trivia question from last week. How tall is a guitar in front of Rock and Roller Coaster at Hollywood Studios? The correct answer is 40 feet tall. Uh, So definitely a sight to see at Disney. Going to the trivia question of this week. In what year... Did Walt Disney World, so do not count Disneyland here, in what year did Walt Disney World receive its 50 millionth visitor? You can tweet us at WDW podcast or email us at WDW at gmail.com with your guesses. All right, well, that's all we have this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at WDW podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at WDW at gmail.com. You can also check us out at patreon.com slash WDW. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.